Welcome to Latte with a Lawyer, a podcast dedicated to bringing you the stories of some of America's most successful lawyers, figuring out what makes them tick, how they creatively solve problems, and how others aspiring to be them can follow in their footsteps. Okay, welcome to uh, another episode of Latte with a Lawyer. Um, I'm your host, Jonathan Brickman, and today we've got an interesting guest here from uh, Missouri, uh, Norman Newmark from the firm of um, McCarthy Leonard and Kammerer. Is that correct? That's correct. All right, excellent. Good. Welcome to the show. Well, thank you for having me. Absolutely. So uh, just to keep with the theme of the show, uh, I'm on my third cup of coffee. How do you get started every day? Uh, well, I was thinking um, instead of latte with a lawyer, it should be tea with a tax attorney because I'm a tea guy. <laughs> the teas. I've had one cup of hot coffee my entire life, and only because I was freezing out in the desert in New Mexico. They had the balloon fiesta out there in Albuquerque and what have you, and they had nothing else. I wanted hot chocolate or hot tea, but all they had was coffee. Got to get a coffee person. Okay. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's interesting. Uh, I, I've had many, I've been surprised. I think most I my assumption is most adults and particularly lawyers drink coffee just to keep going. But I've discovered that uh, water and tea are also choices. So. Yeah, um, and maybe it's uh, I have some English ancestry. Maybe that has something to do with it. I don't know. That that could do it. Where's your English ancestry from? Um, well, that um, is a little bit of an interesting story. The family originally started out in Poland, and they sojourned in London for a while, where my grandfather was born. Yep. They lived there for a while, and then they came to the States. Got it, got uh, it. Family lore has it, and I'm not saying it's true. I'm just telling you what the family lore is. Family lore has it that back around the time Jack the Ripper. Jack the Ripper. My great-grandparents were out for a stroll around London, and they heard all kinds of commotion down the street, police bobby whistles and all that business. And as some guy came out in the night and they couldn't make out his face. And, they, and he said, if you don't say anything, I won't hurt you. And he flies off into the night. And later they found out Jack the Ripper had just killed somebody down the street. Now, that's a story. Whether it's true or not, I don't know, but it's pretty good. Well, that's a great story. What, <laughs> what year would that have been? I don't even remember when Jack the Ripper. Oh, 1880s, something okay. like that. Got yeah. it, got it, got it. Yeah. All right. Well, your immigration sounds similar to mine, so. Poland via either, you know, the UK or the United States. So yeah, same kind of thing. Um, interesting. So um, tell us about the kind of work you do and how you got started. Well, um, people ask me what I do. The cocktail answer is death and taxes. Very popular topic, by the way, at the, at the cocktail hour. Yeah, sure. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, no, I started off as a, as a tax guy, and uh, this is going back a number of years, and I started off at a small firm, and, you know, I know all kinds of tax, particularly the federal tax, mm -hmm. and that was back in the day, the, the state tax exemption was $600,000 back in Reagan, that's how far back it is. And uh, so everybody and his brother and his dog, if you had a house and a 401k and a life insurance policy, you had an estate tax problem. So that's right. how I got into the estate planning and the probate side of things, only because 
everybody had back in those days had a, a tax issue. Now that's much less of a problem, but nonetheless, I head up the department of our firm on the estate planning probate side. And then when it comes to the corporate transactions and what have you, and sometimes they're interrelated, I get involved in the uh, in the corporate tax side, and I uh, I teach that at Washington University. These corporate tax course. Oh, nice. yeah. So oh, WashU has a law school. Yes. Oh yes. Yeah. yeah. Top twenty law school. Now. Top yeah. Oh, that, wait, you graduated from WashU, of course. Yes. Um, no, I know. I know. It's. I know. It's. A, is there a med school there too? Washu. Uh, one of the top, one or two, or yeah, med school. Top five at least medical yeah. school. Yeah. Yeah. No, I know. It's a. It's a great university. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. 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 No, it's a great place. St. Louis is an interesting city too. My parents spent a little bit of time there. Uh, at one point of their lives. Why did you decide to become a lawyer? How did that happen? Well, that's a kind of also another family story. It's kind of the family profession. There are several uh, uh, well-known Newmark attorneys in town. Hopefully, I'm one of them. Yep. Uh, and, uh, you know, so that's what drew me to it. My uncle's an attorney and a bunch of my cousins and what have you. My dad never went into the profession. And so that's kind of what drew me into it. And I looked at it and decided that's uh, that's where I was going to be. Uh, that was for me. Now, I didn't know that going in. Nobody knows if yeah. you got out for it until you actually get there. Got it. What you, what'd you study as an undergraduate student? Uh, actually, I had a major in political science. Okay. Uh, and I did take a number of accounting courses. Uh, I won't say I had a minor in accounting, but I did take a number of business and accounting courses, and maybe that's what led me to tax. I found, found out I had a knack for the tax law. Um, and that's sort of an interesting story. Uh, back in the day, you had to take the federal income tax course. I don't think that you do nowadays. And so, uh, but anyway, I had, like everybody else, I, I uh, took the course and the professor threw out a question. And I don't remember what the question was, but I remember the answer came to me. It was like the heavens parted and the beam of light shone down on me and the angels were singing and the answer came to me, capital gains. <laughs> <laughs> I went to my neighbor and I said, well, it's, I think it's capital gains. What do you think? And he said, yeah, it sounds good. And I raised my hand. And from then on, I had to be prepared because I was the go-to guy when the class was stumped. And oh, they, get, they went to you? They went to you. I was the go-to guy for better or worse. Right. And I found out I had a knack for it. And so that's how I got involved in tax in particular. I didn't know I wanted to do that going in, but it sort of meshed with actually a couple of things. It meshed with the accounting courses, of course. Yeah. But what what I found is that the tax code is sort of an algebraic equation. And I did well in algebra in high school. And if you if you look at how the tax code except is provided in section 183 and provided in B and accepted A, and it's almost a mathematical equation. Sure. And uh, and so, you know. 
it, it clicked for me. It doesn't click for everybody. Either you're a tax person or you're not. <laughs> That's the way it is. Well, the, co the code is very uh, complicated. I know that. It is, and then they keep adding stuff to it. That, you know, has it got has it got easier or or more complicated from the oh, last administration? By, by far more complicated now. Don't get me wrong. There are certain provisions that date back to the 39 code or the 55 code that have just sort of carried over and Congress has tinkered with them. Mm. So the basics and the theory mind tax law has always been the same. It's just that when you get into some of the, a lot of the more sophisticated planning, then the regulations have just you know piled on one on top of the other. Yeah, yeah, interesting. One exception to that rule, and I'll mention that. Time was that if a business entity was to be taxed as a corporation or a partnership, you had one or the other. You had these complicated rules in case you had a business that was not incorporated, which would easily be a corporation, but a sort of a hybrid business, like let's say an LLC. And there was litigation, all kinds with the with the IRS and taxpayers, you know, how do we treat this? Because it, there are case laws, you know, cases going both ways. And to the credit of the Treasury Department, in 1997, something along those lines, they came out with a regulation called check the box regulations. Mm. You taxpayer, tell us what you want to be. We don't care. <laughs> Just tell us. Fill in the form or you're on the fallback rules. We don't care. Just tell us. And it was, I wish they would do that with a lot more provisions of the code. You know, just tell us what you want to do and we're done. We're good. We don't have to litigate it. So yeah. there is litigation. So you do you do litigate in, in your era? I do mostly um, tax controversies with the IRS, usually on a on an appeals level, which is mm -hmm. sort of an administrative level. Occasionally we'll have to go to court. Um, and a lot in what we call the SALT area, which is state and local tax. Uh, and uh, those, uh, that has really blossomed since 2018. There was a Supreme Court decision, Wayfair Companies versus South Dakota, South Dakota versus Wayfair, I should say, which if you read the, the press release on the internet sales taxes, now you gotta pay taxes every time you go online. And, yeah. And, and you buy something, the, the internet company has to charge you a sales tax even if you're out of state from where the seller yeah. is. And there are exceptions, but that's the general rule. So we see a lot of the state and local tax issues come up as far as controversy. So when you go, if you litigate, I, I assume it's a bench trial, right? You're not going, it's not a jury trial. You don't do jury trials. We, we don't do jury trials. And frankly, most of the cases I've been involved in, they've settled. They settled, you know, yeah. You know, you, you, do a little horse trading with the IRS or with the State Department of Revenue because nobody wants to get and, and have that crapshoot before the court. So I'm not by nature a litigator. 
I had partners who helped me out on that. I just do the background occasionally, argue a motion, something along those lines, but I don't get involved in the nitty gritty discovery and all that business. Yeah, but the firm does do some litigation though. Oh yes. Yeah. Yes. Very vigorous litigation But they're uh, not tax geeks. So that's why they mean that. Yeah, yeah. And the firm is 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 really a tax law firm. Is that no, any other practices? It's a general business firm. Okay. Um, and we do some labor law. We do um, we have various specialty areas, for example, automobile dealerships, that sort of thing is a okay. is a practice. Uh, represent a local grocery store chain around here, you know, a lot of a lot of labor law and a lot of business law and business succession planning, which involves tax and sure. health and that side of things. Got it, got it, got it. Interesting. How many lawyers at the firm? Uh, we have over 30. I forget exactly how much. 30, okay. 35 lawyers. Got it. So relatively small. It's not an AM Law 100 firm. It's a relatively small right. firm, regional firm, yeah. Right. Interesting. Okay, good. So um, is there any uh, case along the way that stood out that was more interesting than others? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I always tell my law students and, and the associates around here, being a lawyer is like being a cop. Just when you think you've seen it all kind of thing. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it's really true. And uh, this this one case, and I won't go into too much details. I was a young lawyer and there was not much money involved. So it was an associate they threw me in and I was in the probate court and this bloke had passed away and he had a wife and he also had a girlfriend on the side. And uh, very, yeah. And she takes off. He, had a, he didn't have much money. He did have some automobiles and, you know, that sort of thing he had collected. Uh, and she takes off with the automobile. And uh, so we file suit in the probate court because the widow is still entitled to, you know, the state. And I, and I, Department of Revenue in Missouri handles vehicle licensing and titling. Uh, and so I went to them and I got certified copies of the titles to show that the decedent owned the car, in fact, so I could introduce them in the court, you know, the IN number, whatever it was, one, two, three, four, five. And uh, so I, I get the paperwork back from Department of Revenue and one of the vehicles was titled in the name of the girlfriend. Mm. And I look at the assignment on the back of the title and I knew right away that the decedent's signature had been forged. Now, let me ask you, how did I know that the signature was forged? I'm not a handwriting expert, but I knew right away it was forged. Well, you probably done work for them, so you had their, their signature. No, he dies in March. She signs the back of the title in April. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you can't make it up, right? You know, can't make that one up. You can't make it up. So I'm there in the judge, and I remember May Rust in Peace, who was an old time probate judge, had been there forever. Lou Cohn, since long since past, may rest in peace. And I bring this out and 
And the other lawyer sort of slinks under the table and the judge rolls his eyes. I like, come on. <laughs> <laughs> right, don't I waste my time. That was a big dollar case, but that was one of the most memorable cases I've been involved in. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, yeah, it's interesting what people will do, right? That are, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like if you're going to do it, do it right. <laughs> I mean, most people that try to cheat are usually pretty clever about it, right? That was not so clever. That was not so clever. So, yeah. <laughs> and I, like I said, I didn't need a handwriting expert to prove. <laughs> there you go. That, that's pretty funny. So, um, so given in today's world, I mean, would you recommend someone go to law school still today? What would your advice be? Yeah, I, I'm, I'm a little out there, I guess. I, I really like the practice of law. I mean, it's, uh, you have to be the right kind of person to do it, to understand how the law works. And then you have to be, uh, and, and you have to be ready to deal with the political side as much as anything else. And some of those cases like I've been involved in, some of it is, you know, being nice to the IRS or Department of Revenue and, you know, the other side in the, in the case, let's say, uh, a litigation over a family, you see that stuff all the time, you know, brother hates sister and vice versa and all that kind of stuff. And you have to be able to, to have, I'll call it, a legal bedside manner when mm. you're with the clients, because it's all you know, gibberish to those clients and you have to sort of explain, okay, this is how it works. If you want to be a happy taxpayer, follow the procedure. You don't want to be a happy taxpayer. You want to have problems, don't follow the procedure. And it's tough for folks to get a to get a handle on that, but that's your job as, as a lawyer. And you know, my license says attorney and counselor at law, and that's what you're supposed to do. I will say that there was a well-known estate planning lawyer I went to the CLE, and he said that we estate planning lawyers practice family psychology without a license. We got to be in jail. Right. <laughs> I think you can but say you that about be, yeah most professional to. services. I mean, whether you're a doctor yeah. or lawyer, I mean, you're doing a lot of counseling in addition right. to yeah. Right. And you have to be cut out for it, and you can be a very intelligent person, but you don't, it doesn't click. The law doesn't necessarily click with you. Right. And my first day of law school, they lined us up in the big conference room and they said, you know, look to the left and look to the right. One of you will not be here in the next year. And it was true because there were, you know, and the intelligent people got sure. in and they were, you know, they did well on maybe on their exams and everything else, but they just did not it did not click with them how to be a lawyer. Right. Well, that's really the key to anything. I mean, you have to find something that clicks, right? And then right. then you'll thrive and do well. Right. Right. Like anything in life. Yeah. No, it's it's very true. So you're still a big advocate. Go to law school, become a lawyer. We need more good lawyers. Oh, absolutely. There's a need for it, and uh, I think that it, for the right people, again, yeah, you have to be committed to it. And and the other thing is that you have to understand uh, it's a very stressful profession, and 
that have whole programs that CLEs you can take now and ethics in various bars. I'm a member of the Missouri and Oklahoma bar, and we have you know, mental health awareness month and what have you, because you okay. will be in the pressure cooker. Sure. There's no question about it. And you're dealing with a lot of stuff that, you know, and, and, and roll your eyes like, don't you have a life? Can't we get this thing settled? You know, that sort of thing. Right. And um, some people, they're just, they want, you know, they want their day in court and they want their buck and a half pound of flesh out of the sister or whatever it is. And that's like, okay, it's a living, you know. So let me ask you a question. So I know it is, there is a lot of stuff to manage and it's stressful. So I'm going to switch to, um, to the topic of technology. I mean, how much are you using that in your practice? And is that helping to give you more efficiency and leverage? Yeah. Um, well, we're uh, in the process of upgrading the technology in, in the system. And I have a love hate relationship because I'm the older generation and we're not used to devices and that sort of thing and my kids half the time roll their eyes when I ask them a question on their iPhone or whatever uh, but um, but yeah I love it and I what I learned to love is the use of the computer for for storing documents and, and research and what have you yeah my prior firm before I joined this one McCarthy um, uh, we had offices all over the country. And so if I did research, let's say one of my partners in Florida called me to do some federal tax research or whatever, um, they, they didn't have to call me. They could go at two in the morning, they can get on their computer and they can look on the person's file and see, you know, the company's file and see what research I had done mm. and my, even my notes that I had made on the cases or my notes that I had handwritten after speaking with the client. And it's a tremendous time saver because it used to be, okay, now what did I do with that case? And you have that paper file and you know that sort of thing. Are you storing it in a CRM? Are you using like something like Salesforce or something? Well, we're trying to get there. Uh, we still use some paper um, uh, uh, files uh, uh, and we're trying to, we, we had an issue with the company. We were trying to get there. It didn't quite work out. We're trying to work out the kinks on that. I'm not involved in that process, so I couldn't tell you where we mm. are. But I got what system we do have. I inevitably save everything on the you know the server, and, uh, and it makes life a lot easier. And I tell my partner, well, here I saved it. Everything you need to know. All the email correspondence, everything else is saved there, and you don't need me to look paper. Yep. Yeah, no, it's it's interesting. Uh, I mean, everyone was afraid of uh, putting things on the cloud. Now everything is on the cloud, and yeah. you know the ability to sort of collaborate virtually is just uh, it's really changed the way people do it, business. It really is, and it's a lot. It makes life a lot easier, I think. Yeah, yeah. yeah. When, it, when it works, when it doesn't work, it drives me to distraction. Don't ask. Yep. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, so let me let me just wrap this up here. What's the best way uh, for someone to reach you if they want to get in touch with you and learn more about your practice and connect? Yeah. Well, um, 
you can go to our website, of course, McCarthy, okay. you know, uh, uh, mlklaw.com and, um, uh, or you can, you can send me an email or you can leave a phone call in our general number and that's the best way to reach me. Excellent. And I'd be more than happy to talk to anybody uh, in the profession or interested in the profession about it. Um, that's why I'll leave you with this. That's one of my, my missions as an attorney, as I mentioned, I teach, but also to mentor young lawyers. Excellent. Because uh, you know, I was in a firm where they did not do that. And, and then I was in a firm that did do that. And it made a huge difference in my life. And I'm sort of passing that along. So. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Mentorship is is huge. And I, I hear a lot of firms do. Uh, I ask a question that they do use mentors. And I think that's really helpful to sort of get your footing and accelerate, you know, learning and being competent, right? Yeah, here's what they taught you in law school. Okay, this is how it really works. Right. <laughs> you know, exactly. And I tell my students, you know, they have examples in the book. Don't do that. I'll say, don't, don't do that. <laughs> it makes you think, why don't we change the curriculum that if that's not the way, it, if it doesn't translate to the real world, it makes you think about that, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. And my students are grateful that I'm giving them real world experience as opposed to, you know, nothing wrong with learning the theory. Theory, but also, you know, the, the as I mentioned, the politics behind the law and all that. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, all right. Well, listen, this has been interesting to hear about your practice and what kind of work you do. Um, so we're going to thank uh, once again, Norman Newmark, and I got to read it, McCarthy, Leonard and Kammerer uh, for being our guests today. Thank you very much. You're welcome. And this is sponsored by Emotion Track, and we are a legal tech company. Um, we use artificial intelligence to gather nonverbal emotions that people use for uh, trials and mediation um, for case preparation. Thanks. Thanks a lot, Norman. Appreciate it. Thank you. Be well. Thank you.